I'm RJ Young, that is Brandon Drum, this is Young and Drum, and we're doing this second podcast in a week for the first time ever after promising we to have done it for months. Lived it up, we, we promised and we came through for the first time. <laughs> right, no, 100%. And we're doing these because it's camp season and it's football and there's lots of news to talk about, got some great interviews on tap for you, but I know that the thing that most people want to talk about is not Jackie Sherrill cutting the testicles off a bull. <laughs> for which I thought was apocryphal. And I went and I did the research thing, and I looked up, I was like, yeah, you know what? Jackie Sherrill was a little bit crazy. Maybe this is true. Yeah. And then I told, I said, like, Brandon calls me, and he says, uh, you know, you ready to go? I was like, yeah, I'm just, you know, reading about Jackie Sherrill cutting the testicles off a bull. And I'm thinking it's a joke. And he goes, again? And I was like, <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Like, all right. No. Yeah, it's the folklore of his, his, his testicle-cutting days. Was it at A&M or Mississippi State? It was at Mississippi State, but he coached yeah, at right, A and M. Yeah, yeah. But he coached at A and M, and they were playing Texas. That was the that was the right. whole bit. And this is 1993 yeah. for those of you that want to look it up. And it's uh, it's actually the topper to a Sports Illustrated He's from, article. Like Duncan, yeah. Oklahoma, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd yeah. have to, I'd have to look that up to be sure. But like, that's man, just me guessing off the top of my head. I know he's from down there somewhere. The number of great, like, great characters and coaches in college football to come out of the state of Oklahoma is staggering. You know, yeah, it's ridiculous, right? Matter of fact, uh, we should get to that. I, I had David Alexander on my radio show this morning for like an hour talking about Andrew Raymond and whatnot. And he, he's great. No, and just, you know, because I got to – he spent 10 years in the NFL, man, and he played with yeah. Dave Remington. Like he's the left guard to Dave Remington while, he, while he's center. <laughs> That's the – for the people that don't know, the Remington Award yeah. is named after that guy. Anyway, no, he's he's awesome. He's awesome. Great story. Yeah, so if Alexander says you're a really good offensive lineman, you're really good because he knows what one is. Right. And so I mean, yeah, that's what I tried to like pose to two four seven when I was talking about Rain being a five star. And I don't think they've caught quite grasped and that's not it's not anything against them or anything. I know they have a lot more on their plate than just, you know, where's Andrew Rain gonna be ranked? But yeah, he, if David Alexander, Coach Alexander's Dude, number one, he knows how to build the program and make it legit. No, if you've ever seen their offense and defensive line, it's stupid. So this is the stat that was staggering to me, and this is the most unassuming head coach you'd ever met in your life. But uh, just, just a great dude. But he was six foot three, two seventy five when he got drafted in eighty seven, which is the year I was born, by the way. And Andrew Rain walks around at six four, two ninety five. That's how yeah. much the game has changed. That's how far – like, so when coaches tell me that college football sucks in comparison to what it was years ago before you had kids that could leave early and before you had kids that could play as freshmen, I'm like, yo, do you – look at look at Andrew Rame now. Look at David Alexander then. He doesn't even look 290, though. No, he's so slim. Look, he's slim. Yeah, he like he's 260. Yeah, he's so going to play I, both I, ways against Mansfield. That's ridiculous. Right. So – when we were doing his video and we were walking out of the facility and Andrew was walking in front of me and I know we've kind of gotten a little bit off topic, but this is interesting. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are going to like this. Story. Yeah. Yeah. So he walks in front of me and I turned to Gerald and I said, Gerald, do you want to have anybody else in your family that is Gerald's dad, by the know, way. Yeah. Gerald is sorry, folks. Gerald's dad, father, Gerald Rame. And I said, do y'all have anybody else? That's like Andrew said, he said, well, you know, uh, we do, you know, on his mom's side and on my side, we have a couple of guys that are like 6'4", you know, whatnot. 
And he goes, but none of them are, you know, and they played like college basketball and, you know, a couple played college football or whatnot. If I remember, I'm trying to remember the whole conversation. And I said, but you just look at Andrew and the way he walks, the way he runs, it's like it's effortless. And a guy that size that doesn't look that size, so you know he's going to be able to hold 330 and just be, and, and just look like an absolute animal at 3:30, and he moves so well. It's 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 almost unfair that Broken Arrow is moving him to defensive tackle, right? I mean, he's going to play offensive line, obviously, and be a star at tackle for them. But he, the defensive tackle, what he's going to do on the defensive side of the ball. It's not he played sparingly and situationally last year on the defensive side of the ball. This year, he's kind of going all out. And I got to watch him do it. And I mean, he's just abusing some of Broken Arrow's better offensive linemen because they have. It's not just like Andrew Rain's the only offensive lineman that's going college there. There's other guys now. They may be smaller college guys, but they're good. No, and he's abusing them. And that's that was uh, to underscore this even further because now we're just telling Andrew Rain stories, which you know what? Yeah. It's recruiting, and we love recruiting. Uh, and that dude's yeah. spectacular. But I'm talking to to David about not just Andrew, but Miles Slusher. And for those of you that don't know, Broken Arrow won its first state title like ever last year, 13-0. and It was a really big deal for a team that had been to the state title game many times over. But the thing that he was saying was like, look, I keep trying to tell people that Andrew's just an athlete. He's He just happens to be six foot four, nearly 300 pounds. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I got a text from Andrew saying, hey, coach, come outside. I want to show you something. You know, he's outside working out. And he comes outside, he runs a route, it's clean, it's beautiful, he catches the pass. He says, see, coach, I can play wide receiver. He says, yeah, but Andrew, who's going to block? You know, and he was like, that was, that's what it is. It's like, <laughs> this dude could literally do whatever he wanted. And to add to this, we all take for granted he could play ball, like play baseball. But when he went out for Broken Arrow, the head baseball coach is like, I don't, I don't know if, if Andrew's going to be able to help us. And, First pitch. Right. And then and then about a week later he gets back to Dave <laughs> and he says, You know what, uh, you know, I think uh, I think Andrew's gonna be able to help us. <laughs> I was like <laughs> yeah, first baseman, first first at bat ever in four years. He hadn't played baseball in four years, so people wrap your head around that. First at bat, six A and six A baseball in Oklahoma is big time. Like you're talking about a lot Especially of guys at drafted. BA. BA puts guys into yes. them in like I mean they get yes. drafted. They get drafted yes. out of BA. Yeah. First at bat, and he sends that thing over the center field fence, over the scoreboard. Just demolish it. And legging out triples. I mean, no, just phenomenal athlete. I'm really excited to see what he can do at Oklahoma because the joke is, who needs him more, Biedenboe or Skip Johnson? You know, like that's that's the joke. Uh, Obviously, he's got to play football. uh, I'll put the over-under at five, how many touchdowns he catches this year. And I'll, I'll say over. I'm going to go under just because I don't think he's going to get that many opportunities. I think he's going to be a – no, I think he's going to be a gimmick play. He's going to get a couple for sure. No, but the problem is not whether or not he's going to get an opportunity uh, or whether or not he can catch him. It's do you want to risk him getting hurt? You know, like that's that's the thing. You know, and that's because Miles Slusher is also going to go both ways this year. Which is yeah. I mean I mean that that team's gonna Ryan be so Horn much fun to watch. And Robert Jennings, yeah, they're they're pretty loaded on both sides of the ball. The guys that can go both ways. So well, let's let's get into uh, Anyways, some drearier yeah. news. Um, yeah, we you I mean Trey Norwood is on crutches, and that's about as far as we know, right? Yeah, I mean 
we know what we know, but it's it's more or less getting confirmation because, look, yeah, they talked there. There was a report out there that he tore his ACL, and initially that was kind of the feeling, but there was no confirmation on it. So when I spoke to a bunch of people, they're all like, "Look, they're running tests. They don't know." And I've even gotten back in the last couple of days, like, "Hey, he might be okay." Like as far as being able to play at some point in the next couple of months. So. Uh, they're not for sure exactly what it is, and we haven't got a statement from. I bet you Friday we'll get something from Lincoln. Uh, obviously, he'll say like, "Hey, you know, Trey Norwood's out for the year. Or he's going to be out for a couple of months just because it's become a story at this point." And he'll address it. Um, if if he's out for the year, I mean, that sucks for Oklahoma. Uh, he was on crutches. He had he had bandage wrapped around and brace wrapped around his knee. So. Um, it, it could be anything from a, you know, an ACL tear, MCL, PCL tear to a, you know, a major sprain. Um, everybody in, in the crazy part is, is I asked Nick Basquin, who the best guy that he goes up against coverage wise. And this is after, uh, Trey Norwood hurt, hurt himself. This was last night. And he said, Trey Norwood, by far, is the hardest person in the slot for me to go up against. Well, and he kind of, I mean, if it was trending that way because as much as yeah. we, we we talk a lot about Buki, uh, what we don't talk a lot about is the depth behind him at nickel. And it's right. getting back, like, I, I was asking about this because I was perturbed to find out that Grinch was so matter-of-fact about Buki playing nickel. And the more digging you do, the more it's like, nah, man, he's – He's really the best that you got at it, and the only guy behind him that you even trust to do it is Trey. And Trey also went from a guy that started in the Rose Bowl at corner, made an outstanding right. tackle or two, uh, also I think forced a fumble in, against TCU in 2017 that Caleb yes. Kelly picked up. Yeah, so, I mean, he was he's a right place, right time kind of guy, but he also learned to play every defensive back position, which, by the way, yeah. is not – easy to do and the last guy to be that versatile on the defense was Curtis Bolton because he could he could have played every position at linebacker for OU yes. and been good at it so obviously those guys develop and I was being told that Buki is is better at it now Nick Basquin's uh, feelings aside that's what I was told but still the the question was all right who is who's the emergency nickel now Justin Broyles right right Go ahead. And he's because he's he's played there. And so I was told like instantly they called Justin over from the corner spots like, Hey bro, you gotta come back over here. So uh, he's back at the nickel. And I it fits because he's he's got the longer arms, so he's gonna be able to do some things uh, as far as and obviously most inside guys are gonna be playing off the ball, so it's gonna be harder for you to get up inside and jam. Well, Broyles has got some really, really long arms, like ridiculous wingspan. And that is probably going to be – he's going to emerge as a guy that I think is far better than he was last year. Because I think last year he was just kind of learning that spot. And he got thrown around a lot of different places. I mean, he went from strong safety to nickel to corner back to nickel. And so he's been, he's another guy that's been everywhere and, but he's a good, he's a good, he's a good cover guy. I mean, we've seen him do it 
we've seen him play well there. It's just he's got to be more consistent, and I think he will be. There's no lack of confidence with Justin Broyles ever. I mean, he talks, and he talks, and he talks, and he's one of my favorite people. I mean, I've covered him since he was a sophomore in high school, and from that day on, he has been nothing but a great kid. He's always happy to see anybody that he knows, and I think that his attitude is pretty contagious. So I think it's kind of interesting to see the fact that – because Trey Norwood is completely different than Buki and Justin Broyles because they're a lot alike as far as the swagger that they bring, the confidence, and just the amount of – just for lack of a better term, you know, SHIT shit-talking, you know, that's what they do. So – and they're great at it, and they get in people's heads. Now they just got to learn to be more consistent on the field, and I think they're they're getting to that point. I, I it's it's going to take time, and I think it's going to be we got to see it to believe it because I'm in that camp too. I want to see just how good the secondary is going to be. I want to see it before I believe it because we've seen it before. They come out first two games just like we talked about last podcast. World beaters. What happens week four through twelve? They get lit right. And that doesn't need to happen again. They need leaders. They need guys out there that have played and played well consistently. And one of those two guys have got to step up at that position with Trey Norwood out because Trey seemed to be the guy that even last year was playing better at that third safety. Now, we talked about that at the Texas, just how the lack of responsibilities he had during that game, but he did it well. And a lot of people love Trey Norwood. So I we all hope for the best and we hope that he's going to be healthy and he's going to be able to come back. But until that point, you need two dudes that are consistent at the nickel to at least give you depth and options and variety there because without Norwood there, it, it's, it's lacking at this point. Well, I remember Broyles having his coming out party against Iowa state when he had 10 tackles from a position that hadn't got 10 tackles since Tony Jefferson, right? So so the yeah, dude can correct. come he down well. skill. Yes. He can come downhill and he can he can make a play. The issue that I he think was the only person tackling that game by the way. Uh, okay. I mean <laughs> I, I there were other guys that had double digit tackles. I've just uh I also wanted to to just use it as a moment to say it was kind of nice to have Justin Broyles back at corner just just because I'm I believe that kiddos who are recruited at a position out of high school, particularly on the defense, need to be given the opportunity to show that they can't play that position at the next level. That's fair. Between Justin Broyles and Jordan Parker and Trey Norwood, Norwood's the only guy that got an opportunity. And the difference really is at this level who gets a shot and who does it, who's hurt and who's not. Like I was actually having this conversation about the linebackers with a buddy of mine, he's like, hey, is Draper going to play? And I was like, I expect him to get in there. I don't know how much we're going to see him. But hey. before, before, you, before you go, just let me yeah. finish the story of he put on this weight, right, that we've been talking about, and Brandon yeah. was way out in front Absolutely. with it. But the thing that I said was, of course he put on weight. He got sick the first time. He got hurt the, or got hurt the sec- first time. He got sick the second time. And, yeah, he lost weight. So, naturally, he should put on 35, 40 pounds. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. It's not – it's not rocket science. The dude was underweight before he was overweight, and now he's finally yeah. playing at something where he's been healthy for a full year. 
and provided, you know, I'm knocking on wood, he makes it through camp, I expect all four linebackers that we've talked about to play uh-huh. significant football, and then they'll, they'll weed each other out as we go down uh, yeah. through the season. No, you're, you're right. You're, you're dead on with the Draper deal. Um, obviously, it's no secret, the relationship there with me and him, but and, and just our families in general. I mean, that's not a secret to anybody. Um, but as I'm taking Caden through the line, because that's who he wanted to go see, that was number one on the list. Uh, it was, it was He's got his jersey, Draper. right? Yeah, he, yeah, I remember that's this. That's he wanted for Christmas. Right, was a Levi Draper jersey. Yeah, um, so yeah, we 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 made that happen. Uh, so he and and uh, Caden's known him since Caden, my kid, has known him since he was a year old. So I mean, there's there's a difference, and they've known each other very very well, like because our families obviously. But he, uh, well, I, I'm going through the line. I said, dude, you look great, you know, and I don't bother him. There's a rule that we have with throughout the whole deal football season do not talk to each other at all literally the only time i'll ever talk to him probably outside of the little interview session was during that meet the players and i said how are you feeling and he said this is the best i felt in three years because my shoulders have killed me obviously he had the stem cell stuff done in his shoulders he tried everything before he ended up just tearing it completely and he was he tore it so bad and he played played on it for a week right because he was afraid that he was not going to be able to do the things that he needed to have done to be able to play, and he was going to miss out. And it ended up hurting him worse than he than he would have if he would have just when he when he first nicked it up, just went in and got got it cleaned out and done. He ended up ripping it to where he was like almost bleeding inside of his shoulder when they opened him up. So it was way worse than than it should have been. Now he's back and he weighs two forty five and he said he feels the best he's done. He's he's moving better than he's ever done. He's played better. Yada yada yada. Um, and then, you know, people I talk to that don't have anything to do with it, and I asked, you know, I'm, like, be honest with me, you know, how is he doing type deal just because I'm interested. And they said, you know what, the past three days he has been the best linebacker out there. He's had two interceptions, a forced fumble, and has led the team, I guess, in, you know, their hand tackling and wrap-ups or whatever. So he's playing very well. It's finally the light bulb's coming on. And Coach Odom touched, touched on it. And said he's a guy that bought in, and you're seeing the you're seeing the benefits on the field, and he loves the fact that this is happening because that's added depth. We all know Deshaun White and Kenneth Murray are your dudes. Like those guys, they're 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 generational athletes at the linebacker spot, right? I mean, we all know that. But to have a guy like Brian Mead and Levi Draper to back up when you're other generational athlete is out with a torn ACL that is that's called recruiting and that's called depth and that's something that's been missing you and I touched on that in the last podcast and both agreed since Corey Nelson Frank Shannon era and and Eric Stryker it's the deepest most talented linebacker core that OU's had in a long time I think you're going to see the benefits obviously on the field because it can't get any worse than it was last year you know you can only go up right so that is the good thing about all this. The the bad part is, is you got to be skeptical about it because again, like we've talked about, they're wolf beaters the first couple games every freaking year, and then we watch them completely fall off. It only takes a couple of bad plays, and that mental aspect of oh no, here we go again can start creeping in a a, a whole side of the ball's mind. 
and things can start, you know, avalanching real quick. So I want to get to the other side of the ball because uh, it was offensive yeah. player availability on Tuesday night. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. And there were some really enlightening interviews that you got, particularly from Grant Calcaterra and yeah. C.D. Lamb. And we were both talking, you know, people want to know about the freshmen more than they want to know anything else. So I wanted to start with what you heard from Austin Stogner. And we're going to play that clip right here. Obviously, you're starting off with Houston tonight. Is there any, obviously, it's more fun with primetime games. Is there anything to a primetime practice? Is that exciting at all? Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely is exciting because, you know, in camp, everything gets kind of monotonous. You're doing the same thing every day. Um, you know, getting up at the same time, you have meetings at the same time, things like that. So, you know, when it's mixed up a little bit, um, it's a little, it's kind of fun, brings a little bit more energy, um, especially practicing under the lights, you know. You know, I guess that kind of prime time, game time feeling. So guys are more excited, guys are flying around. Did you feel any different just fatigue-wise? Like, was it, you know, any better than a morning practice or afternoon practice? Uh, well, since we practiced yesterday morning, we had, I don't know, maybe eight more hours of recovery. So. I felt a little bit more fresh, and you know it wasn't as hot uh, during during the night. So, you know, I felt a little bit uh, better than probably in the mornings. And with the transfer portal coming in with Jalen, um, having so many talented receivers like returners like you and CD, and obviously new guys Austin, the other other five stars. Um, what do you think? How have you guys kind of helped Jalen come in, um, kind of transition into the new system? I uh, just you know be there, be there for everything, uh, be there for him for you know anything he needs. You know he's he's the type of guy who likes to get a lot of work in. Um, so you know, during the spring, during the summer, you know he's asking to get routes so we can get mental, so we can get reps, uh, asking to watch film, things like that. So just being able to be there for him and you know help him, you know compete at the highest level. And I saw him uh, yesterday after practice um, throwing some routes to some receivers. Have you done that with him? No. So far? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not in camp because I mean I get enough routes in, but um, you know during the summer and during the spring, things like that. Um, yeah, I'm definitely up there with him getting some extra work in. How has how Austin Stogner, how has his transition been? I, I know he's a real intense guy, kind yeah. of likes to get in scuffles a little bit. He's always been that way since high school. How, how has he been since he's been out here? Oh, he's been great. Um, like I said, he's one of, my, one of my closest friends, you know, on and off the field. Um, you know, he's improved, like, tremendously. He's just getting better. Uh, he's made so many improvements from the spring. Um, he's, been, he's been a great blocker. Uh, you know, especially today, he's uh, you know using his hands well, catching the ball away from his body. You know, using that big frame that he's got. Um, so yeah, he's been doing really well. His, the other guys, the other three freshmen, Trajan, Theo, Jaden. How they? How, how do you think their transition been? And how has Spencer been as far as? Because obviously they 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 were pretty highly regarded coming right. in. Yeah. Um, Most guys. Kind of like yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I mean, but. They were they're the freshmen, right, pretty yeah, much the new guys. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, they've been great. Yeah. Um, now I've gotten most of them came in early, so I was able to, yeah. you know, get close with them. You know, see how they were in the spring, and then now in the fall, I was able. You know, they've improved a lot. You know, they've gotten stronger, they've gotten faster. Mm -hmm. You know, with, uh, you know, uh, summer conditioning and things like that. So I think they've done great, and I think Spencer's came in and done great as well. I mean, he wasn't here in the spring, so maybe a little bit more pressure on him yeah. coming in and learning everything quick, quickly. Um, but I think he's done great. You know, he's he's uh, starting to learn the offense uh, a lot better, things like that. So I guess that, that was kind of my deal with the, you having to catch balls from him quite often. How is that? Yeah. Kind of going from Tanner and Jalen to to Spencer in, in June, and how is that kind of meshed in over as far as timing and stuff going? Oh, uh, you know, 
getting in team situation things like that um, you know obviously that comes with a lot of experience but you know that dude throws a really good ball um, he has a great natural throwing uh, motion you know tight spiral you know easy balls to catch so I think uh, you know once he once he starts you know learning the offense and you know getting more comfortable he's gonna be a really good player what is spring you told us that you were you had plans for the summer because you wanted to have an even better year than you had last year. Yeah. Did you accomplish that in the summer? Are you feeling good in camp? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my bad. Um, you know, I work I work extremely hard. So, you know, going into fall, I, I'm extremely confident in um, all the work that I've put in. And, you know, now it's time to just put it all together and, you know, do my best and help the team any way I can. Charleston so. Rambo is a guy we saw some flashes from in the Orange Bowl, obviously. Has he, in your mind, is he starting to take that next step? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just let me know and let the people know what was your what was your feeling about what Grant had to say about the way that Austin Stogner is just kind of making his way into the offense. Well, you know, he touched it. He kind of laughed because you'll hear it um, when you play the audio. Um, I said, well, we know that he's and we saw it at the opening. You've seen it, RJ, last year at the opening finals, just how intense he is. I mean, when he, when he overjumped, what, I can't remember what corner it was because I want to say, what was the dude that went to uh, the number one quarter in the corner in the country? Derek Stingley so, went to LSU, yeah. And he, do you remember when he jumped over top of him and then dropped the ball on his chest? Sure as hell do. And, <laughs> and just looked at him? Okay, so that is Austin Stogner to a T. I mean, if you all are going to get to know him. He wanted to fight people at the – I mean, he, yes. you know, he didn't, like, That's roll up his is. arms or anything. But, like, he, he had that look on his on his face. Like, he just wanted every pe- – okay, all right. I watch Hard Knocks, right? And you know how Jonathan yes. Abrams was going around just smacking people? Right. That's, uh, Austin Stockton was just a little bit gentler because he wasn't such a hothead. But you could tell he wanted to be in pads and he wanted to play ball. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's, he's an animal. Um, he and there's a reason why he was one of the top tight ends of the country. He's physical. He can move better than almost anybody that is six six, two hundred fifty pounds. Uh, he's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Riley talks radius. about him like a wide receiver. Yes, like he that's does. that's that's how good he is. Is he talked about him already as? No, no. I think we kind of got four or five star wide receivers out there. Yeah. Yeah, he throws him in that five-star category because he thinks he's the best that he's had recruiting-wise. And that's saying something because he did get to, you know, coach Mark Andrews and, you know, Grant Calcaterra and Lee Morris. All those guys are pretty good, um, really, really good, actually. And for him to have that high of praise for a guy that just came in in uh, January and only had, only had gone through spring ball, that's saying something. But to the point is, is I said, look – we all know he likes getting scuffles. We've seen it. I've known him since he was a sophomore, and I've seen him do it. He gets in scuffles during football games. He gets in scuffles during practices. He gets in scuffles during the opening finals and opening regionals. And the look on Calcaterra's face, and he's just kind of smiling, just kind of giggling, shook his head like, yeah, you're right. I said, but how is he doing? He goes, well, that's one of my best friends on and off the field. Um, and the reason is, is because he's just a great guy, yada, yada, yada. I said, but how is he doing on the field? He goes, he's picking it up so fast. I mean, he's going to be so good. I mean, people don't under, understand just how good this guy's going to be. And the the way people talk about him and the way he can contribute, because I, 
I will almost bet that he is going to get some H-back snaps this year. He's going to get some tight end snaps. You're going to get to see Stogner and Calcutta on the field at the same time. And that's going to be deadly because those two are mismatched nightmares just because they're both 240-pound guys. Um, now, obviously, Calcutta doesn't look as big as, as Stogner. That's because Stogner is going to weigh 265 by the time he's done at OU, whereas Calcutta is probably going to max out at 250. And he's a different 250 because Calcutta is long as far as his, his arms Stogner has long arms, but Stogner is more compact. You know what I mean? So, it they he's a cheat code. He is he's he he could be OU's version of Gronk. Like, is that a fair comparison? Like, just the way he plays, just how physical he is. I think I would want to see him down the field before right, I give him but that. I mean, but but yeah, I mean, you could you could see it. I mean, it's not. But what I'm talking about. that's kind of the thing about the guys that have been coming through here as of late is. The difference between Gronk and say Calcaterra is obvious. You just it's about forty pounds, right? And yeah. that's 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 what makes Gronk Gronk is that you would not have a hard time watching Gronk put on another forty pounds and play right tackle. And you know what? You would you would say the same thing about Austin Stockner. And that's right. what makes him fun. Yeah, he's 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 a special athlete in that kind of like we were talking about Andrew Rame, how he can just no matter how much weight he, he has he's still going to be a great athlete and still going to be able to move and do things that shouldn't be able to be done at that size and that height and that weight. Um, and the, just the athleticism. Now his dad played at Baylor. Um, Brad Stogner played at Baylor, if I remember correctly. And I'm sure Brad will correct me if he listens to this, but um, he was a good player there. And uh, so the genetics are there. Uh, the the fact that he's played, he grew up in a household where people played Division One sports. His sister's going to be Division One volleyball player. Um, it's just what they do and who they are. Uh, the competition is rampant in the house. And and I was talking to Brad one time, and he said, "You know what? I could always count on Austin to stir the pot with all of his siblings, and just just egg everything on to where they would almost want to fight." And we all knew that he was going to be the one that came out on top because he was the toughest of the bunch, too. So now I want to go to wide receiver, and in particular, the wide receiver, C.D. Lamb, who we've heard speak quite a bit over the summer, and I'm thankful for that. But there was one bit, uh, particularly, I mean, I think we'll we'll drop in the, same, the whole interview, at least, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll drop in that first one. It's only six minutes long, so yeah, it's pretty good. Right. Uh, well, I mean, and, and none of them are really that long. But now that you told me that, I'm actually very grateful for that. Uh, all the great receivers that have been here, and uh, for me to do that and be in a record base like that, you know, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. We talked kind of about you know how you compare to other people, but you you really don't when you look at that list a lot. I mean, there's a lot of different types of players: Ryan Broyles and Kenny Stills. And um, have, have you watched much of their games? Have you have you seen much film on on some yeah, of those guys? I kind of I kind of look back at the old film um, every now and then, and them guys are they're very small and they're very quick, uh, they're agile, they can go up and get the ball, like, they play big, and uh, them guys, I, I have the, for me to have the opportunity to watch them and grow and to build my, my inventory, if you will, to pursue, pursue my dream on the field, them guys, man, it's, it's a great feeling, like I said, just being here at the University of Oklahoma, you, you're, you're bound to have greatness. Is there anybody that stands out, you know, from the past that 
a, a game that you watch. I don't know, you know, even going back to like a Mark Clayton or anybody oh, yeah. like that. I was just gonna say, uh, Mark Clayton is a guy that I feel like has been has caught my eye. His mental toughness, his physical toughness, the guy can do it all. Uh, he can block, run, catch, in traffic, and that guy. I feel like he's the most he's the most valuable to me. Grant was saying that when the defense is getting around him, it's like 11 guys punching him, trying to get the ball out. He's ever felt felt something like that. From your perspective, what's it been like going up against this defense? When it it's the same. It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of aggravating, but that's what you want in your defense uh, to aggravate the ball carrier, to get in their head. But for them guys to be on my team, I mean, I can't really do nothing but play ball. So, and every day in practice they bring it. So, we just got to match that energy. You've become a physical player. Are you punching back? I mean, you know. Oh no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say punching back. Uh, I keep my composure, if you will. Have you experienced that kind of feeling from any other teams you've played in the first couple of years you've been here? Oh, not necessarily. Simply because uh, in practice, everybody's everybody's flying to the ball, and uh, it's, it's, it's been a different kind of feeling, different kind of feeling around here in the air. And uh, the defenses, they've done a great job with that. CD, how's it going on the offense? How are you guys doing at this point? New quarterbacks, new line. Oh, I feel like we're we're we picked up we're picking up right where we left off. Uh, Guys like this, they, they have that next man, next man up mentality, and uh, they obviously couldn't wait for the opportunity. So they're gonna they're gonna take every rep personal, and um, they they want to fulfill their dream just like I do. I know you know like the other day you came back and you got your nameplate. I'm, I'm wondering what keeps you so humble. <laughs> uh, I mean, man, I've I've been down before, uh, and I never want to reach that level again. So, and then by the grace of God, I got here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that same head. And I, one thing about me, I can never get bigger. How has how has Spencer Rattler looked so far? I guess it's only been what, four or five practices for you. Yeah, the guy's kind of grown up uh, as we go, but uh, obviously he still made freshman mistakes as we all did uh, in his opportunity for his, his shoes. But the guy, he's he's taking credit for all his faults, and uh, I can't do nothing but respect a guy like that. You got sure. a guy like Jalen in camp who's played all this college football in his career, but it's his first time obviously with you guys. How much does he lean on players like you who've been in the system for so long and pick your brain and kind of get advice and stuff like that? Kind of a lot because he's, he's more of a learner. Uh, he come in and get the when he, he he never knows enough, you know. So with him, it's always a like, what do I got to do on this, and what are you doing, you know? So and then a guy like that, you can't do nothing but help. Uh, me, I'm a, I'm a helping guy. I can I wish the best for everybody. So with him being so open to me, it's it's great on my part. Have you noticed maybe how more demanding Coach Simmons or Coach Riley have gotten of you, you know, that maybe they expect even more out of you? Uh, not necessarily because I like being coached hard. If a coach, I've been told if a coach don't yell at you, they don't care. So uh, with that being said, man, guys like that, that, that keeps, that stay on me tough, critique me very much, I'm, 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 I'm happy for it. Like, I need it. Uh, I don't like being let off the hook. I don't like being so short, you know, so. Like, like you said, um, just being in, just being in that role, I feel like you got to take pride in that. And just throwing the ball, can Spencer spin it pretty well? Oh yeah, must that. Uh, man, he got all the tools. He can roll out like Patrick Mahomes. But him speaking about Jalen and Spencer, I thought was especially enlightening. Yeah. Because he was talking about two different kinds of guys, and yeah. I found that to be really exciting because you know I'm more fun than ever of saying. There's many different ways to be excellent at what you do, right? Like you and I, one of the reasons that we, right. we vibe so much is you go your way, I go my way. We end up in the same place many times over, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I'm audiovisual. You're much more written. I mean, it just works. But I kind of was looking at Jalen and Spencer going, you know, one of those guys, 
is just a workaholic and one of those guys is just a preternatural talent and the way that they work and the way that CD talked about it in this in this clip was just kind of it was it was refreshing. I liked it. I like knowing that you got those two different personalities in the same quarterback room. So to what you're saying, it's kind of interesting. Uh, he talked about just how hard of a worker Jalen Hurts is and just how much that kind of rubs off on the team. And a prime example was last night. It's 1040, right? And we're getting done doing the interviews. And Michael Jones is leaving the field. And you look over there and, and, and somebody yells for him to come over there and to run routes for him, and it's Jalen Hurts. So they're out there till almost 11 o'clock working on routes, timing, all kinds of stuff, and, and they're calling the plays and they're moving down the field. Like it wasn't a stagnant kind of, you know, just sit there and run a route and he tosses the back lines up and does it again. They're moving and he's lining up in his position and, and Jalen's going through every motion that he has to go through with whatever play that they called or he called at his position at quarterback, Michael's doing the same thing. If it's not right, they did it again. Like I and I turned to one of the guys that is you know, one of the calm guys, and I said, hey, Eric. I turned to Eric, and he goes, Calm go, is communications. Sorry, I'm just going to clarify. Yeah, calm. Yeah. yeah, calm guys, communication. The media guys. Yeah. And I turned to Eric, and I go, Eric, he's just different, isn't he? And he goes, you have no idea. He's he's like next level. And yeah. it's it's special. If I may what put a bow on that, just just real quickly. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. That dude turned twenty one at midnight, so it's his birthday. Yes, he did. And he's out there working. Right. No, that's that was the thing. That was the thing that put it over the top for me, is because you know you've told me these stories, and maybe that's what it is. I've heard many of these stories over and over again, not right. just from you, but from other folks. But like that was his birthday. Like anybody else turning twenty one is already right. at the bars yep. already. Yep. And this dude yep. is under lights. It's hot. It's ten o'clock at night, and he's going through routes. I mean, yep. one, you love the game. Two, he's privileged to be there. But three, eh, count the number of guys that are out there doing that. Yeah, he wants a national title so bad. And I think that's going to be the difference between – and don't get me wrong, Baker and Kyler were great leaders. But this guy has a business-like mentality to him that you can tell it's, it's, it's like permeating through the program already. And that – is different. It's a different vibe than we've seen and heard at Oklahoma. Now they've been good. They've had a good vibe. They've all been, you know, we want to win titles. But there's a difference between wanting to win a title and that being your sole goal. No individual. Your sole goal is for the team to win the title. Now, obviously, you have to have individual goals. But to go at it in a business-like manner, the way they do and the way they have starting obviously just the first five practices of the year but it's different it's a different feel uh everybody that's down there says it they can all see it now am i saying they're going to win this time no absolutely not i'm saying it's just different it's different the way he goes about doing things it's completely different than the other two and i think that's what makes lincoln riley so special and how he goes about it. he finds like all these you've talked about it rj i mean just the 
the meshing of the personalities is crazy, and Riley seems to be a chameleon with them, and as far as coaching goes, and that's that is that's what makes him great. Uh, no matter what, uh, what's his face, Max, whatever I don't remember his name is from the Fort Worth Star Telegram that says he's he's not Mac a great coach. Ingle. Mac Ingle, yeah, whatever his name is. Clown show. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, and, and to your thing with Spencer, when when CD goes, he he compared him to the NFL MVP as far as talent and accuracy, and that to me, when you're all American wide receiver who's, you know, caught passes from two Heisman Trophy and number one pick overall, that 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 holds weight. That means that Spencer's that good. And the same goes for Nick Basquin said the same thing, and so did Grant Calcaterra. All three of those guys have caught from both Kyler and Baker and both have nothing but glowing things to say, not just of Jalen Hurts, but of Spencer and the fact that CD goes, man, he's a lot like Patrick Mahomes when he rolls out. He's so accurate. He goes, it's ridiculous how accurate he is. It's not even funny. And he said, it's just special. And then when you talk to, uh, obviously, CD is very biased towards Jalen because they've grown up together. And they've been friends for a long time. But Nick Basquin, uh, senior wide receiver, uh, is also going to be a punt returner. Says he's feeling so much better uh, as far as his Achilles tendons that he's, he's blew both of them out the past couple of years. Uh, he, he, I said, you know what? Tell me, tell me a little bit of something about Jalen. Like, what is it about him that people don't know? And he goes... People think that he's not, you know, a good thrower. When in reality, he's way better than people think. And people call him average, and he goes, "He's way above average." Um, <laughs> like I mean, they they, they all love hey, him. They think he pinpoints the ball better than than he's given credit for. Hey man, I'm out there already saying I need you to prove it. I mean, I understand what CD yeah, thinks. Yeah, I understand no, what Basquin. But like I've I've seen the film. And the film doesn't lie to me, you know? Like, it's one thing for—like, we, we deal in sourcing, right? What we can't see, we rely on people who we trust to yeah. tell us what we need to know. But I've seen the film, and if it's fixed and it's great, I will be the first one going, hey, man, check that out. Either he fixed it or Lincoln fixed it, probably a combination of both. But as far as I'm concerned, until he starts completing passes on the regular down the left side of the field to one CD lamb, I'm just going to say that the jury's out. Um I do want to even, even after the I mean I'm with you on that a little bit but I'm still I buy into the fact where I think we already saw saw a marked improvement when he came in at the SEC title game and brought him back with his arm not his legs. Well, and to just to to throw it out there because I know somebody is listening to this podcast is seething. Tanner Mordecai has not said die in fact quite the opposite. No, he, he believes that he's in a competition to win a job right now yes. right this second. And all the sourcing says, hey, man, he, he believes he's going to win this job. And apparently he's yep. purporting himself like that by the way he's playing. Yeah, he's doing well. I know everybody kind of jumps to the Spencer and Jalen narrative every time. And we're, we're all guilty of it because those are the big names, right? Well, I mean, it's like Kyler yeah. and Austin last year. It's not that yeah, anybody here sucks. It's that, well, and it's also that we just, we know that one is better than the other right now. Or at yes. least we think we know, right? And then right. Trevor Knight happens. Right. That's a good example. And then, so, Mordecai is not laying over. He's really good. And I wrote about it in that piece where I said, look, he carried a Waco Midway team that had awful talent. 
and he took him to the the six A Division One state title game. And what he, I think he had like forty something points and threw and ran for absurd numbers. I, I can't. Yeah, he was a four thousand eleven hundred guy. Like he passed yes. for four thousand, rushed for eleven hundred as a senior. He's that good, people. And there's a reason why he's going to give be given every opportunity. They're splitting the reps right now. Everybody's getting first team reps. Spencer's getting first team reps. Mordecai's getting them. Jalen Hurts is giving them. Now, what I was told is Saturday is the first big scrimmage. Let's see how the reps start getting divvied out after that because that's where you're really going to start seeing the guys separate themselves. Like uh, Nick Basquin talked about, he said the scrimmages and just who takes command of the offense and who takes command of the huddle and the team in general because you're the general of the quarterback. You're the, or the team when you're the quarterback. You're the leader. And all those traits and everything that – He's saying kind of makes everybody go, oh, that's Jalen Hurts, because that's just who he is, right? And But you also have to realize that let's see how it's done on the field. Let's see how they do in these scrimmages, these live uh, these live contact things. But they're, they're obviously not going to hit. They're going to be wearing blue jerseys. And obviously you're not going to get the full you know, repertoire of who Jalen Hurts is because he's a runner too, and they blow the whistle the second he starts running. So you're not going to get to see who he truly is. You're going to get to see just the pocket passer version and that stuff. But I think that's the critical part about it, being who he is, because he's got to prove his arm and his accuracy is better than what we've seen in previous years. Well, we're, running, sense. we're running out of time because I know you got to go because you told the wife one thing, and I want to stick to that one thing. But uh, <laughs> to, to, round this, to round this out, uh, two notes for me, and then I want to throw it to you. First one is uh, be on the lookout for 2022 rankings to drop uh, because you listen to this podcast, yeah. you got a leg up. So those should be out, I want to say Thursday sometime. Correct. Okay. And the second one is uh, I know that I got a few people asking me about a story that they read on uh, Bucknuts, which is the 247 Ohio State site about Ryan Watts being Ryan heavily Watts. recruited. Yeah. Uh, I actually reached out, and I know that Brandon stays on this too, but um, the quote that I got from him is, I'm 100% locked in and happy with my decision, and I expect the kid to keep getting recruited heavily because that's what happens. Correct. Do you have anything you want to add, Brandon? No, I mean, I've, I've, I think I've talked about it until I'm blue in the face. Nobody wants to believe me because they kind of – and I'm, they do a good job. Bill does a good job over there. Um, but he's going to report, and obviously Ryan's going to um, not try to rock the boat too much when talking to those – reporters because you don't want to burn a bridge and things can be spun and said and, and manufactured in a way that it could ruin him say if something does happen at Oklahoma and Ohio State is out of the picture because of something he said previously why he was solidly committed to Oklahoma and say coaching change or whatnot you know what I mean that type of stuff he, Ryan is a smart guy he's not going to burn a bridge he's not going to ruin himself in a just-in-case scenario. So, no, I don't think he's going to decommit. Yes, I think he's solid. He's super close with DJ Graham. He's super close with Jace McClellan. Um, I've talked to Mia McClellan, and she's talked about, which is Jace's mom, talked about how close he is with, and that's another guy that everybody says is going to decommit. It, not just not just DJ and and uh, Ryan and those guys that are in the class and, and 
and uh, Nate Anderson, but he played on the same seven-on-seven squad as Theo and Trajan Bridges growing up from the time they were little tykes up until, you know, they left so to go to Oklahoma. So they are super close, and there's there's a reason why Jace is just kind of taking the visits like he said he was going to and continue to stick with Oklahoma. And I think unless something drastically happens as far as coaches, and that's exactly what they've said, they're going to OU. So people need to take a deep breath, relax, Everything's on the. Everything's good. It's the dead period. That's why you're not hearing a lot of recruiting news right now. But I'm gonna drop some recruiting news on OU Insider VIP board tomorrow and Friday because we aren't gonna get to see Lincoln or talk to any coaches tomorrow. So things are gonna start quieting down just a little bit until the scrimmages pick up and other things start going. Obviously, the next week as far as getting to do interviews and whatnot. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Young and Drum. For those of you that do subscribe to OUinsider.com, we appreciate it. Uh, we yep. are dropping the news there every single day. We're going to be pumping out these podcasts. We're going to be pumping out the content, as they say. And we Almost will 50 s- new members in man. the last six days, on, so it's not bad. And we will see y'all in a few days. Take it easy. Appreciate you, RJ. All right, brother. Deuces.